0: eftm tech cars lifestyle this is the eftm podcast with Trevor on eftm
1: well hello welcome thank you for listening thank you for downloading lovely to have your company always appreciate the fact that you take the time to play this in the car on wherever you're on your way to or uh, out on your walk or geez if you're sitting listening as a family that's weird but hey all power to you um it, i guess it's entertaining Um, maybe you're learning something as well. I've got an awesome show today because there's a few really interesting topics and we've got some great calls to get through as well. We're going to talk everything from Australian consumer law to phone upgrades uh, and and even um, software issues, which we'll get to. But we're also going to talk about drones. I want to talk to Peter Gibson from the Civil Aviation Safety Authority about drone rules because it's been a while since we've talked about that and I'm already seeing people doing illegal things with the latest DJI drone. So a little reminder about the rules. Plus, Apple's made an announcement today about the right to repair, is how they phrase it. Um, But it's a fascinating one that kind of gives us the opportunity to get Apple-authorised parts um, from non-Apple repair services. So I'm going to talk to a couple of people today um, about that. I'm going to talk to Benny Nash from iFix Electronics um, we've spoken to him many times before over the years on the radio show and here on the podcast um, about his views on that, and he may not know about it already, so we'll break that to him. But through serendipity, I think is the correct word. I've also got today time with a bloke I've been literally trying to get in touch with for a couple of months. I At first, I thought he just really didn't want to talk to me, or he thought I was weird, or he thought I was an idiot, or doesn't like me, but I don't know why he wouldn't, because I don't know him. but. He's a TikToker, but that would be an awful thing to call him because actually he's just a a brilliant uh, IT genius who repairs devices and products like phones, similar to what Ben does. But the way he presents them on TikTok is the most entertaining content I've I've experienced on TikTok, and I really love it. And I wanted to talk to him about TikTok and um, what it's doing for him and his business in repairing things. So we're going to talk to Max Hawker a little bit later on the show as well. Um, If you want to get on right now and see what I'm talking about, um, pause the podcast, go to TikTok and search for Max Hawker. You can do this on the web if you don't have the app. You can just go tiktok.com forward slash at, so the at symbol, Max Hawker. um, And he's got 107,000 followers and a lot of videos repairing devices. Trust me, watch them. If you don't have a smile on your face after watching it, I'll be buying away. Seriously. Watch a few and listen because we'll have Max on the show a little bit later. Um, Get in touch anytime uh, and we'd love to hear from you. As always, here on the EFTM podcast.
0: You're listening to the EFTM podcast.
1: Oh, by the way, the cat's out of the bag. Um, We're giving away a car. It's crazy. And I I do actually think I've lost my mind um, because I bought a car, brand new car, went to a dealership, bought a new car. It's in the garage downstairs, right below me, right now. The um, competition permits have been submitted. We've got approval for Victoria, New South Wales. We're waiting on South Australia, which then gives us the rest of the nation. Um, the competition should launch on August sorry, April the twelfth. Um, it's a Hyundai i thirty, brand new, active. So it's a it's a not bottom of the line model. It's a thirty thousand dollar car, and I'm going to give it away. That's what I'm going to do. Just going to give it away. It'll be similar metric to what we did with the PlayStation and others, but really quite simple. You just need to be an engaged member of the EFTM community. That's what I want to reward and that's what I want to grow. So it'll be a sign up to the newsletter approach and then there'll be code words here in the podcast. There'll be some on the YouTube. There might be some on socials. There'll be some in the man cave. We'll be everywhere across the six weeks that we're going to run the comp. I can't wait. Such a fun thing to do. Such a great prize and I really hope it goes to someone that's a, part of the EFTM family here, um, you, the listeners, or the dedicated readers, but otherwise someone who just deserves and needs a car because it's it's a $30,500 car, um, which I got from McGrath at Liverpool. Thank you to the people at Hyundai head office in Australia for um, doing good work on the numbers because I couldn't afford to pay thirty grand, but I did have to go to a bank and withdraw over $20,000, <laughs> um, and it's the biggest thing I've bought for the business, actually, yeah, I think of all the rubbish that I bought, all the important things that I bought, computers, this nest this screens, lights. It's the biggest thing we bought as EFTM. So I'm really excited to do that just because it's fun and as a part of that, um, we're, we've got an app coming. So there'll be a whole bunch of things happening over the, the weeks ahead and I can't wait to do all that. So if you want to know more, all you got to do is stay here, stay listening, jump on the Man Cave on Facebook and make sure you are reading and uh, subscribed to the newsletter the Man Cave newsletter on the website, because those newsletter emails, they're critical. That's where you'll find some of the clues and whatnot to get yourself more entries in the draw. Anyway, that's still to come. Uh, Let's get on with the show. Thank you for listening. Trevor Long with you and trying to help with any tech questions you've got. And uh, one such question comes from Mel. G'day, Mel. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you?
2: I, my TV has only just gone out of Warranty, like, about six months, and it's now playing up. And I've emailed the people uh, that own like the company. And, what brand is uh, it? It's a Sonique. Okay, yeah. And um, they said basically said to me, well, it sounds like your TV's defective, uh, but it's out of Warranty, so sorry, we can't help.
1: Oh, wow. Hang on. So you've got an email that says that? Yeah. Wow. Um, and what is the actual symptom? What is it doing?
2: It's uh, – when, when I put it on and I try to change the source over from like HDMI to like DTV or something like that, the little um, uh, source box just keeps flashing oh, and right. you can't do anything.
1: So here's the thing. Um, when, when we talk about warranty, and I have a mm-hmm. very clear opinion on this, the warranty that comes from the manufacturer is great. Never buy the extended warranty because you're covered by – Australian consumer law. Okay. Now, Australian consumer law brought, is not defined in any way. It doesn't say that a television will last this long or a phone will last this long. It's, it's mm-hmm. very vague, to be clear. Yep. Um, but it says that you should be protected by the Australian government's consumer law in that a product should work for a reasonable period of time. and For yep. the reasonable life of the product, you should have its normal performance. Now, a television, I would normally say is a five to seven years would be the number I'd give you on a TV. Now, yep. you're, you, I think you're saying yours is three and a bit years old? Yes, yep. So I would say normally, yeah, that's, that's absolutely covered by that. But I won't lie to you. When you told me it was a Sonic, I went, yep. that's... I feel like and it's the wrong thing to say but I feel like it shouldn't last as long as a Samsung right because it's uh, yeah yeah it's it's a cheaper product you didn't pay as much for that product back then but why should that exempt you from Australian consumer law would be my my retort to myself okay yeah yeah so the great thing is if they've literally said to you the word defective in an yep. email I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm saying it's game on baby let's take this thing right yep but is this your main TV or just a secondary TV in the house?
2: No, that's, it's our main TV.
1: And so what have you been in with that? Oh, because it's working but it's just a pain in the bum to use, right? Um, no,
2: no, we can't work it at all.
1: All right. So what are you doing? Not watching television. This is our <laughs> no,
2: we just listen to the radio or we'll listen to music.
1: Wow. Okay. So here's what you want to do. I want you to call the uh, Department of Fair Trading in New South
0: Wales. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And uh, I want – no, first, before you do that, you need to ring the um, the retailer that you bought yep. it from, which is JB Hi-Fi, I can tell you that because yep. it's Sonic, mm-hmm. And yep. you need to say, um, my TV is defective. The manufacturer has said it's defective um, yep. and it's only three and a half years old. And they'll say, it's out of warranty. And you'll say, it's covered under Australian consumer law. And they'll mm-hmm. say, no, it's not. And you'll say, do you want me to call the Department of Fair Trading? And they'll say, hang on, let me get a manager. <laughs> Okay. And then you'll have the same conversation over and over again with the same people. It'll be really frustrating. And I want to be very clear, this process yep. will be frustrating and it will take yep. time. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you're you're a chance. I don't want to say you're guaranteed, but you're a chance. What yep. will happen is, and I think you should reply to the manufacturer as well to that email, and you should say, yep. if it's defective, um, I request that you replace or repair my TV under Australian consumer law. So just keep saying Australian consumer law because that is your get-out-of-jail-free card. And if if they all throw caution to the wind and ignore you, then you call the Department of Fair Trading and you'd say, I Mm -hmm. would like to understand the process of getting a a resolution between myself, a retailer, and a manufacturer who are not fixing my product despite me believing it's covered under Australian consumer law. They'll, Mm -hmm. They'll then get you to send all the world of paperwork, proof, all those things, receipts, everything, to prove how old it is. Um, and pictures of what's wrong with it. And then they will try and mediate a solution. They will try okay. and try and get the manufacturer to, to talk with you and they'll talk to them, they'll talk to you and they, they'll they make you feel like you are in the wrong. I'll be honest, I had this problem with a car once, but that's yep. just them just trying to find a solution. And if, mm-hmm. if the manufacturer then says, look, okay, fine, we'll give you a $200 credit at JBI for a $400 credit, you then you'll go, you know what, I can probably replace the TV for close to that, so fine, we're done. But if they okay. don't... Yep. Hold bloody out on them because you've got the radio. You can just keep listening to Tanya and Steve. So, <laughs> you know what? Hold out on them and say, no, no, I want it fixed. And, you know, yeah. if you hold out long enough, they'll be frustrated by having this open case with the Department of Fair Trading and you might just get a win. Oh, great. How big's the TV? Okay. What size? 65-inch. Uh, okay. So, and do you remember what you paid for it?
2: Uh, my son got it on special, um, I think, because he ended up buying two of them. I think it was maybe seven or $800. Yeah,
1: okay. And have you yeah. looked, have you looked at um sixty five inches TVs today? No, I haven't actually. So let's be very clear: the cheapest sixty uh, five inch TV at JB Hi-Fi right now is six hundred and thirty dollars.
2: Oh right, okay.
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. when they start talking to you about money, um, that's what you need to remember. Um, yeah, okay. And, and the new they don't have Sonic anymore; they've got now a brand called F Falcon, double F A L C O N, F Falcon. That's a oh, seven. Right. They've got a seven hundred dollar TV from F Falcon. Um, okay. So that's the that's the price of replacing that TV today. Um yep. okay. I think that's important to know. And mm-hmm. I think then it's also important to really come at this from your own family's perspective of what well, how long we let, want to let this drag in and what are we prepared to pay? If they give us yep. $200, we're prepared to pay 500. If they give us 300, we're prepared to pay the 400. So that you understand where where you're willing to go on this um, on, a, on a, in a reasonable sense because if you were buying a 65-inch TV today and you were asking me which which one to buy, I'd say, look, yep. there's a Blaupunkt and an F Falcon for $700. Um, yep. You know, they're, they're not your top-name brands, and I might even mention that you probably won't get the same life out of them. There's a yep. TCL and a Hisense for $1,000 or $1,100. Mm-hmm. Those things, you call me in six years and that thing's failed, I'd, I'd want a very close conversation about resolution, but certainly three and a half, four years, Definitely should still be working. So yeah, you, you do get yeah. what you pay for. I need to be very clear.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, 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 we've bought Sonic before, like lots of times, and yep. never had any problems with it. Yeah. We've just sort of updated them and, yep. you know, got, got bigger sizes. And we've had them for years. And then, yeah, this yeah. one's the first one you that's really what? played
1: up that bad. Go so. back to that email. If they said yep. the word defective, Jesus.
2: They did, yes. Get yep. on it.
1: Just write back and say, thank you for confirming ITV is defective. I'd now like you to replace it under Australian consumer law. Okay, and remember, right. they will always say no. Yep,
2: <laughs> yep. And then well, when fight. they do that, I will just say, "Well, uh, I'll contact fight the, the good Department fight. of Fair Trading." Correct. Yep,
1: great. All right, oh, that's awesome. Okay, you, thank good you last. so much
2: for that. My yeah, pleasure. thank you for that. Right. Okay, good on you. Thanks, Trevor.
1: See ya. Bye. And uh, if you got a question, like Mel, and that's a the thing. These are these are questions that you know we're not willing to fight. Sometimes, oh, sometimes we don't have the time as well. So, um, a tough one. And uh, but I think one that uh, Mel should absolutely fight for. Um, Good on you, and good luck, Mel. And let me know what happens as well. EFTM. This is
0: the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening. Trevor along with you, taking your calls on anything tech. G'day, Keith. G'day. How are you? Very well, mate. What can I do for you?
0: Um, I've got MYLB um, uh, oh, Edge yep. Oh, my uh, Mac uh, computer. Yep. And um, they're updating the uh, uh, s- software to yep. Catalina, which is th- going from 32-bit to 64-bit. Yes. Um, and MYLB is saying, well, um, we, we can't support that 64-bit. And I was just wondering if there's any way of keeping my MYLB and up- up- uh, upgrading to Catalina.
1: Look, there's not. Um, so I had a quick look into this, and you know, um, MIB are being very clear about this on their website too, which is very good of them because they would know the problem. But the thing is, I would argue you're you're in a position now where you're being forced to do something that you're going to need to do at some point, which is move to the cloud. Um, you know, MIB like their competitor Zero, they run cloud-based services. I think MIOB Essentials is their base level, which. Which means that you don't have software on your computer. You just log into a website and everything's there. Is there a reason you haven't done that kind of upgrade before now? Yep,
0: yeah, because basically I only use it mainly for my superannuation fund and a, uh, a small company I'm running. And they they want to charge, I think, $25 a month for using their cloud. Yeah. Which I didn't want, you know. I bought this... Uh, Edge, M-Y-O-B, M- Edge of five years ago, yeah. <clears throat> and I paid $700 for it. Yeah. Now it's – after five years, it's useless. I, I hear if you. I, if yeah. I If I, if I want to keep uh, up – like, I, I should upgrade my computer for security reasons as that's, well. I mean,
1: that's, this is my biggest problem. The challenge here is that I don't want to have you not upgrade to Catalina because – you it's not going to just be about software anymore. It's going to be about a bit of the security issues as well. Have, you, spoke, right, yeah. have you spoken to your accountant about it? Because what, what I'm curious about, and I'm not an accountant, let me be clear, but I, I, and maybe this is my own innocence, but I justify the subscriptions that I have to, for example, Adobe is another great example. I used to pay $3,000 for Adobe Photoshop, but now I pay 60 70 bucks a month and I get Photoshop and a couple of others. But here's what I tell myself. Firstly, they're always up to date. I've always got the latest version. Secondly, it's tax deductible because it's in the business. So it's the same with – I run NYIB, um and I pay, I think, more than 20 bucks a month. But, you know, I pay for a business account that allows my bookkeeper to, to log in and do all the stuff that needs to happen and my accountant to get access to things. And, you know, it's a tax deduction because it's part of the business. Is that not something that you see as being a viable – way of running
0: no, it? No, no, you're, you're running a lot more big bigger business than me. I'm just u- using it privately now, yeah. you know, because basically I've used MYOB since 2000, since yep. the GST came yeah, in. Yeah,
1: no, my, my father-in-law uh, is exactly the same as you. He, he I, run it in software I, the whole time. And,
0: and I, I used to run a, a real estate company. Yep. But I retired and I just kept on using yep. MYOB. Yep. And when I upgraded my computer, I thought, well, I'll keep the thing. And that's when I bought it. I upgraded oh, no. to the Mac in 2015. Yeah. So then I paid the $700. All right, I claim that as a tax deduction. Yep, okay, No worries. But basically, it's only a small uh, private business now, the, the PTY Limited Company. Yep. It's, and I have run the super fund. But yep. what I have done, I've, I have spoken to my accountant, um, and we are working ways where... I can. um, I'm probably going to close down the company, so I'm get rid of that part of it. Yeah, right. And the super superannuation thing, we're organising something else for
1: something else. (coughs) the other thing is, MyOB. God love them. They. I don't think they moved weirdly uh, and ironically, given our conversation, they didn't move fast enough to the cloud. They clung on to that software that they had, and they were, you know, Zero, which is their biggest competitor, took you know Mm. huge market share off them. quicken books there's a bunch of other services that that will do what you need and may well be a lot cheaper for example um it it wouldn't work for your super thing but before i moved to myob i was using a thing it was only like it was less a lot less like 100 bucks a year and it was just for my invoicing so i could send invoices and keep a track of it so there's plenty of services out there and i guarantee you that they all will have a migration of your myob data so mm. I would spend a bit of time looking at services that will take the data out of MyOB that you can upload and cost far less than perhaps MyOB do. But Keith, unfortunately, mm. the, the other thing I'd say is don't don't be forced into the Catalina upgrade. The Big Sur will continue to run and it will get security updates for at least another year or two. So so it's not that you need to do it today. Yeah. So mm. so even though Catalina is available, don't rush to it. Keep doing what you're doing and work slowly and surely on the right solution for you to move on from your MYOB subscription.
0: Yeah, I'm just annoyed with MYOB as well. I
1: I can imagine, totally, because you've paid 700 bucks for it.
0: I know um, there's quite a few people on the websites who are not happy with them, but that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, mate,
1: unfortunately, that is is the world today, isn't it? Everything (coughs) moves towards subscription. There's very little we can do.
0: Well, everything you know—you've got Spotify, you've got yes, uh, Netflix, and all the others now. haven't you? Yep. everything's what subscription. Uh, uh, subscri- everything's a
1: subscription. That is uh, mm. the world today, Keith. And uh, mm. we ain't going backwards, unfortunately, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'm sorry. I couldn't be more of assistance.
0: But thank you very much for your call. No worries, thank mate.
1: you. Good on you. And if you've got a question like Keith, unfortunately, not every problem can be solved, um, as is evident by Keith's call. Uh, get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com. Trevor along with you and uh, happy to take your call. Send me an email, go to the website, eftm.com. We'll uh, we'll get you on the show. Now, curious um, little new product hitting the market very soon. And I, while I love my drones, I absolutely love having one at my disposal for those moments where I... I think it can make a great photo or a great little shot or whatever it might be. I do worry about people's, I guess, awareness of the rules. And uh, over time, we've had, I think, a very good awareness come through the sales of drones, Um, but the rules haven't just directly changed, they've they've kind of merged with to times and there's new things like registrations involved but there's also new products hitting the market which I think, you know, you've really got to know the rules if you think you're going to be able to fly it here in Australia. So the one man we would go to is the man who knows all the rules uh, in his sleep, as he just said to me, Peter Gibson from CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, who head up uh, and make the rules of how and where you can fly. Peter, g'day mate. G'day. Mate, I, I I want to talk about the, the DJI FPV, not and that's me talking in terms of the, the product itself, but from your perspective, the concept of a first-person view drone where, and if you don't know, folks, we're talking about a drone that you can fly with a set of goggles on that allows you to essentially see through the eyes of the drone. It's an amazing experience, but on its own, a very difficult thing to fly under the regulations, I would have thought. <sighs>
3: Well, yeah, you can do it, but you can only do it under certain circumstances. So if you're a recreational drone flyer, you're flying for fun, you must not Use first-person view. You must have your drone in your line of sight at all times. And the rule is just a common sense one, really. It's so that you've got what we call situational awareness. In other words, you can see what's going on around the drone. So if you're down at a park or something uh, and a kid runs out from, uh, you know, somewhere else in the park towards your drone, uh, you know, the drone might not be pointing at the kid. But, you know, the kid can sneak up on it and if you're looking at the drone with your own eyes, obviously you'll see the kid. You can take the appropriate action. But... First-person view, you might not. Um, you need other uh, safeguards and uh, and additional training and procedures if you're going to use first-person view.
1: And I think about the other clear example is uh, other aircraft. It's your responsibility as a drone pilot, recreational or otherwise, to be aware of the surroundings. And a helicopter is a great example. I, I often, you know, have helicopters fly over my area because I feel like we're a flight path or something. But it's not an area I would fly because I just don't want the the perception or the risk that, you know, I'm at, you know, let's say I'm at 80 metres in a completely legal-to-fly area. Helicopters don't fly that low, but gee whiz, it'll look very close and it's my responsibility to get out of the way. It's my responsibility to land. If you're in first-person view looking one way and there's a helicopter coming the other way, you will not be able to see that.
3: Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And there there are places around the country where you can be, as you say, quite legally flying your drone, but a helicopter uh, may enter that airspace. Again, legally as well, they're legally operating, everyone's legally operating, but... uh, the responsibility is on the drone owner and flyer to be aware of the uh, presence of the helicopter and to take the appropriate action, which is to bring your, your drone down until the helicopter's passed. Uh, so, yeah, that's a really, really sensible, important um, uh, uh, example there. And, and again, it highlights that if you're just flying for fun, first-person view is a no-go area. But if you want to do that, you can get into other categories of flying where you put procedures in place where you can do it.
1: So what are those procedures? I mean, just broadly too, we're only talking top line here. There's obviously the registration of drones, but that's still recreational. Is it licensing yourself to be able to fly these? Is that the next step you'd have to take?
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's if you want to get into it and do it properly, yep, go and get yourself a licence and uh, you'll uh, do some training and you'll be able to do all these things hunky-dory. One of the keys to first-person view, of course, is often having an observer. Right. So, you know, you're flying the drone obviously with the goggles on uh, but someone else has got the situational awareness, they're just looking at, at the where the drone is and can see 360 degrees around it. So that's one of the precautions that you learn to take and there's obviously see other procedures as well but um but uh, you know in the normal course of flying for fun they're not the sort of things you want to get into which is why we say no to first person view
1: i guess the the problem is a lot of people will push and i you and i talked about drones when they first came out we talked about the regulations and they have essentially not they've not changed really the, the rules haven't changed but they have become more defined and i think we've been more clear about what is allowed and what isn't um in, in over the course of time, is FPV one of those areas that potentially sits grey, grey in its sense that it was never really perceived to be a recreational thing? That the the spotter, for example, I can imagine seeing someone's video and them saying to me, "Yes, no, I had my my wife was there as a spotter." Is that an exception and, and therefore they're not subject to a fine, for example, or is it um, a grey area where? They're just going to get that that solid warning of, of what they need to do and, and how they need to take precautions.
3: Yeah, well, the difference is that for recreational flights, for flying for fun, we don't uh, expect anybody to to have a set of procedures and follow those procedures. You're you're doing it for fun. But we do expect that when you get into into a commercial uh, and organisational flying that you actually do have set procedures that you're following so that you you get the right safety outcomes. And for first-person view, you'll have a set of procedures for doing that. So that's why we move first-person view into that category. uh, So you're saying
1: first-person view does not exist in the recreational category. You're you're essentially not allowed to do it.
3: Yeah, correct. That's right. Yep. Yep. Steer away from it. If you want to get into that, you need to move up into the commercial slash organisational category where, yes, it can be done uh, and is done often, uh, but is done with a nice set of safe procedures that guarantee you'll get a good outcome. What,
1: what, um, where are we at with the, like cases movements in terms of fines? I remember there were some obviously some high profile cases we we were we were made aware of, um, you know the Bunning sausage sizzle. There was a few others. Um, Pauline Hanson was one of them, <clears throat> where there was talk of what we saw and what was potentially on the edge of illegal. And, and a lot of fines were di- dispersed over a course of time. But wh- is it common now for you to be uh, dishing out fines on drones, or is it is it petered off because the rules are kicking in? Do you think?
3: Yeah look it's it's not common we don't issue many fines each year um I off the top of my head, I can't exactly no, remember how many last year, but I, I think it was in the vicinity of about thirty. That's right around the country, yeah. so it's not not many, or not many at all. Uh, although COVID obviously impacted yes. on a lot of things, yeah. um, but nevertheless, I mean, our, our aim in most situations is to, uh, in the first instance, you know, obviously look at the circumstances. But if we can, to uh, counsel and educate the person to say, yeah. okay, this is what you did wrong. Now, this is what you should have done. Uh, you know, if if you approach it in a cooperative, sensible manner, then we will respond in the same way, right. and you're far less likely to get a fine. Yeah. Obviously, if it's something really blatant, like flying down the flight path of an approach to yeah. your airport, uh, yeah, you're gonna find yourself all your in trouble.
1: cooperation ain't gonna help you there, buddy.
3: <laughs> no, no, because I mean that's just damn stupid, and you may indeed end up in in the courts um, but uh, but in normal circumstances where you've transgressed the rules, but it's you know an area where we can see you weren't quite sure what you were doing or it wasn't deliberate you know then we would much prefer to uh, to go down the path of uh, of talking through the issues and making sure you've got a good understanding of the rules for the future than uh, than whacking you in the wallet.
1: Do you think, given that uh, one of the biggest drone companies, uh, especially from a uh, consumer point of view, DJI have released an FPV drone, um, you know the the team at Casa will need to be a little bit more vigilant on the monitoring of things like YouTube channels and and social media because it's very obvious when it's an FPV video. I think from the from the ones I've seen, um, will you, will you need to? Because early on you were you were jumping on the comments and things, kind of letting people know it was it was you know not. Potentially a, a legal flight. Do you do you think you need to up that a little bit over the over the months ahead?
3: Yeah, we probably will. You're absolutely right. Um, and look, we don't spend our days <laughs> trawling through YouTube, but nevertheless, if uh, if we come across stuff or someone brings it to our attention, we certainly do look at it, and it certainly can and does form the basis of uh, of action. Um, so, uh, yeah, bear that in mind. That uh, you know, we, we if we come across it, we will look at it, uh, and yeah, I think we we will we'll need to be looking at it. I mean, what it highlights really is that we'll. need Need to do more education and information yeah. in the area of FPV, um, and 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 at the end of the day, that's what the registration of drones is really all about: is giving us a better capability to be able to get directly to the owners mm. of the drones so we can target stuff. So when we've got an issue, say FPV, we can whack out an email to, you know, um, at the moment we've got 20,000 commercial and organisational drones registered with us. We can whack out an email to 20,000 people and say, look, here's the issue. Here's what you need to be understanding. Here's a new YouTube video we've created as education or whatever it might be have a look. It's unlikely um, and the,
1: the FPV is going to be your first drone, so they're likely to be on your database uh, as a registered user, you would hope.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, And look, and eventually when we move to uh, to recreational uh, uh, drone registration in a few years' time, you know, the same thing will apply. We'll be able to get to people more effectively and easily, whereas now, of course, we can spray stuff out over social media and yep. uh, advertising and so forth, but, of course, you don't know whether you're actually reaching the people who mm. Have the drones? So you know.
1: let's talk about registration then. I'll be honest; in my head, we'd we'd reach the point where you needed to have a registration of a you know consumer drone. Are we not at that point where it's a requirement
3: yet? Not for recreational flying okay. fun, no. All commercial and organisational. So if you're using it for money or you're using your drone as part of uh, you know, a, a community group or police or fire brigade, whoever they might be, whatever it might be, uh, Surf Lifesaving, they've all got to be registered. Yeah. As I say, we've got about 20,000 registrations, a bit more so far. Yeah. Um, There's probably a few still out there that aren't registered, but you know we're getting there slowly. Um, and the plan is to move in about 18 months, two years' time to uh, bring in the uh, recreational registration as well Uh, done in two bits because you know, we didn't want to overstretch ourselves. Yeah, we wanted absolutely. to do the the smaller sector first, which is the commercial, organisational, and then move on to the bigger sector, which is recreational. But um, we will get there. And as I say, the real benefit of it is not you know Big Brother watching you so much as giving us the ability to be able to talk to you directly um, and, and keep that uh, conversation going about uh, about safety.
1: And just finally, for those people that do have a drone and um, like me, love getting it getting it out there. And it doesn't matter. To be clear to me and the rules, and this is, I think, the problem, Peter. I think there is a black and white rule and then there's the common sense enforcement of the rule. I feel like FPV falls under that where he kind of could get away with it, but, you know, it's common sense and it's not encouraged. I think the 250 gram limit thing is the same it's like i can have a little DJI mini and it can do pretty much everything you know drone of five years ago could do um just because it fits under a certain weight doesn't really change its usage the rules haven't changed much have they mate it's really keep away from people buildings roads it's keep to a a height it's uh, don't fly at night it's download the open skies app and other ones and find out where you can fly legally because the apps these days really do tell you where you can do it and from there it's those simple tick. Boxes around what I'm filming and and who's around me that that keep me legal.
3: Yeah, look, that's absolutely correct, and, and I mean. There's good reason in one sense for the rules not changing too much because uh, they are designed to be simple and common sense. And uh, and they're exactly as you said, stay away from the aeroplanes and the helicopters, stay away from people, stay away from property. If you don't run into anything, you won't cause any problems. Mm. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's at the heart of the rules. Uh, and, of course, as you said, any one of those uh, apps, the free apps there, they tell you if you're too close to an airport, they'll say, "This is a red area. Don't fly here." Um, so use the app and use a bit of common sense and, and, a, and, a, and a knowledge of the rules, and you won't go wrong ever. Um, and, uh, and as I say, it's really our job to just keep uh, trying to remind you of those rules, and if things do change, let you know. Uh, but we're not trying to overcomplicate it. The aim here is to let, as far as we can safely, the drone sector flourish, and it's been doing that to date, and we don't want to put a lid on it.
1: Yeah, It's a great sector. It's a great fun thing. I mean, I would take my drone out maybe three or four times a year. It's not really the thing – it doesn't feel like a daily or a weekly thing for many people, but it's just a nice thing to take, especially when you go to a beautiful parts of this country as we're being encouraged to explore right now. I've taken mine out into regional New South Wales a fair bit this this year, um, it's just lovely to see the, the world from another perspective, and it's actually not hard to stay legal when you're doing it and still get beautiful f- photos and videos. So it is a fun sector to be involved in, Pete, because you're obviously dealing with the, the heights of commercial aviation right down to m- mum and dad who uh, just want to take a photo from the air of a beautiful property they're staying at or that they own out in the bush. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, that's right. And we um, and our intention is never to stop anybody doing that. And 99.9% of the time, you can do that really safely and easily. Well,
1: no, it's, it's a fascinating space. I love talking to you because you're, you're passionate about the, the space and keeping it safe. And, uh, Pete, thanks very much for keeping us abreast of where we're at today.
0: Thank you. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast.
1: Now, when we have questions about, What's wrong with a device? How to fix a device? And the old chestnut. What happens if I get water in my device? There's only one person we go to, and that's Benny Nash from iFixit Electronics up at Erinner on the central coast of New South Wales, um, who's been doing this stuff for many a year and knows more than I will ever forget about mobile phones and repairs and the like. So I've got him on the line. G'day, Ben. Hello, how are you? Yeah, real good, mate. Now, I, I think this will probably be breaking news to you, but Apple have today announced that their independent repair program has expanded to Australia. Now, here's what that means from what I understand, and then I'll get your thoughts. And just for everyone listening, this is the first Ben's hearing about it, so bear with us. But as broadly I understand it, people like you who know how to repair phones and make a business out of it can apply to be part of the Apple independent repair program. You, as an individual, can then be certified as a, uh, as a repairer, and you can then get access to and buy... Uh, Apple, first party, uh, genuine spare parts. Um, is that a good thing uh, or, or does it not matter to you?
4: If it's anything like the um, the release I did in America where they actually released this same program. That's it, yep. Um, they... They make it seem all bells and whistles that they're that they're being the good guy, but they actually charge quite a lot on those parts. So by the time I added any any of my labour and markup to that to that product, it was not worth me doing in the first place.
1: But so, and what <clears> I understand, because <throat> I, I have had some conversations with them about it, it, it gives you the option to provide first or third party um uh, parts. So let's say I send you an iPhone um, XS with a broken glass back bloody annoying thing you know it doesn't it said no functional use but the back of it's broken right um that's that's gonna cost money to repair um and you have the option if you're an apple independent repairer to say to me the customer do you want just a glass back or do you want an apple genuine product um does that not something that you think many people would take up or is it not worth your while
4: Well, what they what if if you were going to fix that aftermarket, you'd be looking at probably like mid three hundreds. But if you were going to go through Apple uh, through a genuine Apple part, you'd probably find it's going to cost you around six or seven hundred bucks. And Apple will Apple will end up undercutting that and charging four or five hundred. So, oh, so you're saying
1: if I I take it to an Apple store, it'll cost four hundred, four or five hundred. If I take it to you, it'll end up being six hundred because you've got to not only charge for the part, but the labour as well. Correct. So Apple
4: will Apple will always try and make themselves look like the good guy and say that they're advertising that they're letting us buy genuine parts. But in reality, it's not really worth doing because by the time it reaches a consumer, it's too expensive.
1: What's the percentage of devices that you fix that are actually within two years old, or is it more older ones that you're fixing with new screens and stuff because people are going, "I'm going to give this to my kids now, better repair it."
4: Uh, well, I mean, it is it is quite a low rate for the newer ones. Yeah. Um, the iPhone 12, however, like. Um I haven't had any of yet.
1: Yeah, right. Do you reckon that's because it's bloody what do they call it? A D- different style of glass of some sort, they don't even call it glass. Well, or is it just because- the
4: iPhone the iPhone twelves are quite locked down. So if, if you actually change the battery in them, if if I change a battery in them, you lose the battery health app. Uh, right. Um, if I change the display, you lose true tone and you'll always have a notification on your display that says your display may or may not be genuine. And if I change the camera in it, you end up losing like the panorama mode ends up playing up, the flashlight plays up, and the camera, app, the whole camera, app basically just plays up. So they're locking down the devices so much that third parties can't work on them anyway.
1: So do you think this then, this announcement is actually a move towards? Let's let's just envisage where six years in advance of this, there's now an iPhone 15, um, and. You know, you're you're getting requests for 12s and 13s and 14s. You kind of by then you will need to be part of this program because you'll need to get those genuine parts.
4: Well, the issue is with the with the battery in the screen. It doesn't matter if it's actually a genuine part or not. What matters is the serial number of the part. Right. So if you buy two iPhone 12s brand new out of the box and you swap their batteries and their screens, you'll get the same issue. It's, even though they're genuine parts, they still get the problem because the original serial number of the battery is different to what you just put in.
1: But, but that's not the case if I take it to an Apple store. So correct, that's, because so, they
4: reprogram it to expect a different serial correct. number.
1: So under this program, you would be trained and authorised to do that reprogramming?
4: No, they won't give you access to that programming.
1: I find that <clears> hard <throat> to believe given that's the, the, the whole intent of the program is to allow... Anyone to do it? Yeah, that's what they price.
4: Yeah, that's what they make it look like. But I'd be very, very, very surprised if they actually give us access to that programming.
1: How much money have you had to spend on equipment to be able to fix all these bloody things? Because it's not just like you've got a soldering iron and a and a pair of you know screwdrivers, is it? It's an expensive gear to be in.
4: Yeah, by the time you buy your microscopes and you have like good decent computers and stuff, it's probably about ten or fifteen grand.
1: Yeah. And is business the same as it as it has been over recent years, or has it changed a bit because of the type of devices and the style of repairs?
4: Yeah, well, every every time a new device comes out, we've got to we've got to buy new new gear and find new ways to get around things. Um, you know, like they used to be just a standard um, sort of double sided circuit board. Now they're actually two circuit boards joined together. So we've got to relearn how to separate those boards and how to you have to relearn everything every time a new phone comes out
1: tough game you're in yeah what's the most common repair that you have to do is it just screens
4: um screens batteries water damage um data recovery all sorts Yeah, data recovery comes in many forms but
1: so what sort of data recovery is possible because you hear that a lot from people who i don't know let's say they've got a smashed screen on an iphone 7 they have no desire to fix the phone because they've got an iphone 12 right they've just got it on the contract or whatever um but what can you get off a phone
4: well, if if, it's, if you've just got a broken display, you can just attach a new screen to it and then boot the device up and then you can get everything off of it. You don't uh, so actually you, have to so you're actually, the
1: part. you're not actually actually extracting the data, you're just getting it working to a point where it can be iCloud connected or whatever it might be.
4: Correct. And you do the same sort of thing with water damage, basically. I just get the phone working to a point where I can get the data off it, but with water damage you have to rebuild parts of the motherboard to do so. Yeah.
1: So basically, oftentimes the, the – desire from people isn't to fix the problem it's to prevent the loss of that that information so you can say to them look for this amount of money if you're willing to pay it i can get it working and and get your iCloud backup done and from there you just need a new phone and you're good to go because correct i guess the cost of doing that is still going to be way lower than repairing all the parts of it that would make it a, a workable phone after you know extensive water damage for example
4: Correct. Yeah. So like in, if, in water damage, if you've got, um, say, let's just say an iPhone 8 that's water damaged um, and it's not turning on, if I can get it to a point where it turns on, I don't care if it's got sound, if it gets reception, if the cameras work, um, yeah. if it charges properly, as long as it turns on. And holds enough charge that I can sort of back it up. That's all that matters. That's the only
1: priority. Do you need to get access to people's iCloud accounts to do that? Must be a bit of a pain in the bum because you've got two-factor authentication and all that raz going on these days. It must, uh, must well, be I don't, easy. I almost. don't
4: usually. It's very, very rare that I get people that will ask me to do an iCloud backup. It's usually always I plug it into the computer and extract everything onto my computer.
1: Oh, okay, right, and then you just provide that, and they can get it through their own request from from iTunes. Correct. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, there. It sounds like you're not going to be applying for the Apple certified, whatever it's called, program because no I don't
4: know. Interest. Are we are we watching it? I'm, I'm curious, but um, I don't I don't think it's I, don't, I think it's all just bells and whistles.
1: Do you think it's more a mid-level thing where it's it's you know uh, someone who's got a shop front in um in a Westfield that you know has a better better approach to this kind of thing because they've 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 got a physical approach, or do you think it's just the anyone below Apple don't need it?
4: I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it'll be any, any repair shop will be that, that that sort of interested in jumping on board if it's anything like the American system.
1: Yeah, well, as well I can tell, it's exactly the American system. All right, mm. fascinating. Well, uh, if you if you read up about it, if you find details about it and you find out that it's better or worse than, your, than the initial thought of, of how it runs in America, uh, let us know, mate. You, uh, you're always good in getting in touch, so it'd be good to hear from you on that stuff.
4: Cool, thanks, Trevor.
1: Good man, thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for chatting, mate. I'm uh, I'm fascinated by what you do, and um, you're too smart because, mate, the shit that you have to you know pull apart and repair, pfft, I, I would just, I would send it to you, obviously. <laughs> Good man, thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. And uh, you can find Ben uh, online. He's uh, he's got a physical presence up in Erina on the Central Coast, or you can find him at uh, iFixElectronics.com.au. Get in touch anytime you want, just go to the website eftm.com, click on Ask Trev. My favourite type of of request comes through, it says, I feel like I could be wasting your time. No, I'm telling you, no. Because if you think it's a waste of time, there's other people that are going, nah, mate, that's a good question. So, uh, someone with such an email is Dean from WA. G'day, Dean.
5: Hi, Trevor, how are you, mate? What's going on, my man? Oh, the world of phones, mate. iPhones in the family. Yeah, you're, 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 you're now. deep in
1: the ecosystem, are you? Radio? <laughs>
5: yeah, too too, too far committed now. Um, and, of course, teenagers now who are whinging about the fact that their iPhone 6, heaven forbid, is not up to scratch for all the absent details and even what we need to do with them.
1: And so you say to them, back when I was a boy, and you pull out a rotary dial phone, and I say, keep in touch with your friends using that.
5: <laughs> exactly. Good luck to you, I say. Yeah. So rather than me invest too much money in their phones, what we'll, we're looking at, wife and I have a, a XR, both mm. of us. Yep. quite happy with that. Probably don't need to upgrade it because it's fine and functioning well. Thinking of giving the girls that and then, of course, looking at upgrading our phones. What I'm trying to do is I don't need any pro. I don't need a mini. I'd be looking at an 11 or a 12. Mm. What I'm trying to look at is features and benefits and am I wasting my time trying to spend another 300 or 350 bucks on the 12 over the 11? What's the big advantage I should look for? Because over two phones, at 700 bucks, I don't really need a new phone anyway. Can you help me? What should be the key focuses I'm looking at to make my mind up on an 11 or a 12?
1: Well, the key focus here is keeping your, uh, your daughters happy.
5: <laughs> well, they're definitely going to be happy. I'm I sure. mean,
1: everyone says happy wife, happy life. You're kidding me? It's happy kids, happy life. But
5: anyway. Well, I've got a house full of females. so I'm just trying to keep all of them
0: happy. Mate, so. Honestly,
1: the, the problem you've got is going from the 10R to an 11 is the world's most incremental jump. Although there's some camera benefits, okay? Because the 10R, yeah. um, single little lens camera, yeah. Um, you know, nothing fascinating there. I'm pretty sure, as I recall, the iPhone 11 has the dual camera. You know, so you're getting that wide-angle camera. Great. Awesome. Um, but honestly, you're not going to notice a difference in in those phones. Unless you yep. take a lot of photos, you're going to really love that wide angle. It is very cool to have, but that's the only yep. big step in in that device. Um, the iPhone 12, let's be clear, is, you know, it's it's a solid year older than that which makes it two and a bit years older than the 10a you've got so there's definitely a speed performance issue there i think the the screen is much better i think the size in the hand is better i think the the screen looks better because it goes further to the edges there's a bunch of um physical benefits and visual benefits but again in everyday use i doubt you'd notice um yeah okay so you know, it, is the
5: five G worth it? I read nah, about the five G. I looked at the maps. Not nah, at the moment. Okay, that probably answers part of the question because I thought that could have been one of the other advantages. Uh, look, you're uh, nearly you know, saying to me then, apart from photos, I could just go and buy another couple of uh, XR's maybe and save the money and just get on with life. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, the yeah. other the, so a ten R is eight hundred and forty nine dollars. Yeah. But let me be very clear. The iPhone SE. So have they got sixes or six pluses?
5: Uh sixes.
1: The iPhone SE, which is available today at $679, brand new from Apple. Get it in product red. They'll love it. It's beautiful. Is the yep. exact same size as the 6. It's the exact same physical shape as the 6. The button is still there, but the yep. camera is improved, and it's the guts yep. of an iPhone 11.
5: Oh, wow. Okay, so because I- part of the issue is the. It, the apps now aren't upgrading, exactly. of course, because the new – Spot you know, on. And that's that's turn. why so – that, That's the drama we've got with those older ones.
1: That's not teenagers whinging. That's a genuine concern for anyone using yeah, an iPhone yeah. 6 that does download apps. So my yeah. my son has an iPhone, uh, I'm going to say 10, 10S maybe. Um, and I've told him, mate, that's going to last you until year 12. You've got to get four years out of that thing because it will still get all the apps in year 12. Uh, you know, Apple has like a five to six-year cycle on these things. He'll be fine. Um, yeah. Okay. The iPhone SE. So, the, your daughters. Here's where your daughters have mucked up. They haven't said, "Dad, this, we, we prefer a bigger screen, or we need need a bigger screen." They've they've just said the apps don't work. So the iPhone SE is going to absolutely solve their problem. It's a great phone. Your, all your existing accessories will work. You know, six hundred and seventy nine bucks
5: each. All right, that could be the solution. I thank you for your time. It's exactly what I wanted to know. Uh, probably don't need to overinvest at this stage, I don't reckon.
1: Don't blame don't blame me. The girls will hate me. I don't want the girls to hate me.
5: <laughs> they, they won't hear it, mate. You'll be fine. All i right. won't make sure they don't listen. Cheers,
1: buddy. Thanks for getting your touch. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. No worries. See, never a silly question at all. Um, just doing our best to save everyone money. Anyway, um, if you've got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Now I've been trying to get a hold of this next bloke for some time and he's going to think, well, he's so good. He's so popular because he is, he's bloody popular in on TikTok and in business. What he does is, uh, is combine those two things. And I think it's just awesome. And it's brilliantly perfect that today we did align the planets and we are chatting because it's, uh, as we mentioned earlier with Ben, Apple have announced this, uh, new program for authorized repairer, and I'm talking about Max Hawker. Now, Max, you'll find a very very business-like approach on Instagram at Hawker IT. But if you search for Max Hawker, uh, one word, Max Hawker, on TikTok, it's a whole other world. I'm telling you, the content this guy creates makes me smile every time he comes up in my feed. And that's why I hit the follow and I try and get the algorithm to work for me so I see it more often than not. And he's on the line. G'day, Max. G'day, Max. G'day, Trevor, mate. One introduction. Well, this. So here's the thing. I'm going to go one step further, right? I'm, I'm going to go one step further and say, listen. I want people who've never experienced TikTok. So this is a very difficult thing to do in a uh, in an audio sense because you won't see the pictures. But I want to give people a sense of your enthusiasm for your work, right? Here it is.
6: Here's a bit of a different one. We've got an iPhone 7 Plus in that's liquid damage, apparently left out in the rain overnight. Opening it up, it actually doesn't look as bad as I thought it would. However, I can tell by these adhesive tabs that it's been taken apart before and this sticker on this screen here. With the display assembly, FPC cover off, we can see inside here, and it doesn't look bad at all. We've got it connected to my DC power supply. And by switching it on... It's sitting at two amp, which means there's a short to ground. I know there's a short circuit on this logic board because when it's connected to DC power supply, it shouldn't draw any power until it's told to turn on. I'm going to take this iPhone 7 Plus logic board out of the housing, have a physical look at it with my scope and see where the corrosion's at. With the logic board out, can you tell me where the corrosion's at? Hmm? With the corrosion cleaned up, we can see this dude here is gross as. Looks like those capacitors are part of the backlight circuit. They're going to remove that capacitor and I reckon we'll get a boot. With that gross capacitor
1: gone, the shorts cleared, the phone's booted. That's another successful repair, mate. That's the best ever. I love your enthusiasm, Max. I love it. No, I appreciate
6: it. I appreciate it big time, mate. I couldn't actually hear anything on my end there. So uh, i thought not it was sure your... which one you...
1: So it was your most, I think, I've scrolled, it's your most popular video. Um, 848,000 people have watched this video about an iPhone 7 with water damage. Um, it... <laughs> It's staggering to me that you could make a little video in what appears to be your home office. I don't want to pry, but you know, you made a lot of videos. No, no, for sure. Um, and and you can get nine hundred thousand people watching a video. Does that not blow your mind?
6: Um, without uh, humbly, it really does. Uh, it's quite for long. I've never seen it, like first and foremost. I've never seen anything um, like the organic reach that TikTok has actually provided. Mm. Um, it's absolutely crazy. I kind of miss like not miss out as much. But by the time I got involved with business in late 2015 and I jumped on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, um, there was already such an emphasis on pay. And not not that I'm against paying for advertising or anything, yeah. but the organic was already kind of, um, the boat was gone. I missed yeah. the train, yeah. um, to say so, in such a way. Yeah, yeah. But um, with TikTok being such a, I mean, it's not really that new in um, but it is in it, the grand it, scheme. It, in it, it, the, it is. You're it is. right. In, in, yeah. its,
1: in, its, in its reach and its growth, this is the time. But here's what I'm interested in. How far back... How long have you been doing TikTok? Because if you look at your videos, um, yep. A, they, they look kind of normal TikToks early on. And then suddenly, I think you found this vibe about just documenting a repair. And for it sure. seems like that's where it took off. Did do you ever, for sure. like, did it, was it obvious that it took off or did it really just happen um, randomly? So I've
6: done just over a hundred videos and I've been posting for around about nine months now. And um, what I noticed is, uh, first, I came across TikTok way back in the day when it was Musically, um, yep. and I didn't I, even that was I was still running a business at the time, but there was no um, tool there or no need for me to really lip sync um, a song. Mind you, I did uh, post a couple back in the day just because I like creating content um, yep. as well, mate. It's not just um, for the business. I really, I think um, all the tools that we've got, whether it's um, LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok, to be able to create. Uh, show your personality through our uh, content there's a lot of different avenues there but um but really what happened mate is um i tried a few different ways like it probably took me about um maybe eight to fifteen videos to really work out what um what kind of grabbed um people and that not that i was after i'm not after the metrics mate i'm not after whatever the biggest views are or anything i want to be able to um to have fun while doing it, and also have a purpose uh, to doing that. So it, it's all good having fun, but if no one's consuming it, yeah. then oh, I mean dear. it kind of affects the fun as well. So so it's a bit. It would be like you doing a podcast, mate. Not even though if you are fully enthusiastic about it, if no one's listening, there's not much inspiration oh, there. So I say it, it,
1: that every single week. I say, listen, I just need to know you're out there. I mean, I I know yeah. the metrics. I've got them, and you get them in a the views. But yeah. it's not quite the same. A view and a listen is not quite the same as a as a as a viewer and a listener. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's fascinating because I, I keep looking at TikTok going, Oh man, what what should I be doing? What could I be doing? But then I go, it's not just no way it fits into my my style and, and what I do. But you've I, I just find it fascinating that you've now grown to a to a page or an account that has over a hundred thousand followers yeah. um, with one point three million likes on your videos. Well and, anyway. And you can publish a video of you doing a repair on a screen or, or whatever. And mate, to be very clear to people, and this is why you need to watch these videos, just just to understand what I'm talking about. This is not a bloke that just gets a screwdriver and opens up the back and switches a battery out. The the equipment you have blows my mind. Like you've got a laser thing that cuts the back off phones. You you yeah. can you can remove what appeared to me to be a, a a resistor or a thing on a circuit board that's the size of a bloody smaller than a grain of rice and put a, yeah. put a new one in
6: it's, yeah for it's, sure
1: it's proper skill
6: no i really i really I, once again i humbly do appreciate a big time that i do think um what um people like myself do on the board level um rather than component level and that's not to shoot anyone down mate i was component level for a majority of what do you mean but what's the difference um, what
1: does that mean component mean so compo- i can replace a screen level- and a battery yeah, so component level,
6: any of the components of a device. So whether you're replacing – whether it's a computer, where you're replacing like um, in a laptop like a keyboard or a display, um, trackpad, mm-hmm. a hard drive, for example, mm-hmm. as opposed to what you're talking about, which is the um, components or the parts that are actually on um, the circuit board. So, um, yeah, circuit level. So things like you just mentioned, a resistor, perhaps a capacitor, um ic which is uh the little chips you see they look yeah. like little uh blocks that's ic just means integrated circuit um all these things do obviously they have their purpose and they have their job um to make make it all work so it, to have a trackpad is one thing but you've got to tell that trackpad how to do its job and that all comes down on the circuit level of things which is what you're talking about when i'm um, replacing those um tiny bits uh, using all those um tools that i have uh, as you've how seen in those videos how many bits have you mate?
1: got because there's so many bits. Like, are there bits that you have yeah. to order one-on-one or do you have for to sure. keep 10 of everything?
6: For sure. So there's um, items that uh, break commonly. So, for example, I don't want to lose anyone here, but there's a particular um, charging chip in, um, well, every device, uh, as far as I know, that have um, that need charging. They would have some kind of circuitry that en- enables them to do that. But particularly with um, the iPhone, popular iPhone series, we've got a chip... Um, called a TriStar. So essentially, that is really common to break. Um, Just sometimes it gives up on life, it seems, but particularly (laughs) what I know, yeah, it's not, I don't, I'm not in this bandwagon where I believe it's engineered in that way. I think that um, when people are taking their phone out of um, their home, plugging it into their car on the way to work and all these kind of things, perhaps that, I I mean, I don't, I don't know at the end of the day, Trevor, but those kind of things, um, that's a particular chip that fails all the time. So for something like that, I'll carry brand new ones on hand, all the time um and then other chips that are once off i very well have uh, what you would call a graveyard or just a place where all my dead boards go to um oh, of course to sit there and I'll, I'll harvest those chips all those parts from those as need be which it, like i'm saying it could be one or two offs um it, but yeah the popular in short the popular popular items i would carry um bring and anything that i can access which is a whole nother hmm. um conversation in its own because some of these um 4-level components are quite hard to get a hold of. Um, but, yeah, you carry the ones that are popular, that you use all the time, and the ones that you don't, then you have to kind of MacGyver it in such a way and hopefully come up with a, another solution.
1: We'll come back to your, your videos in a second. I want to talk about this, the story of the day, which is Apple announcing their uh, independent repairer program is coming to Australia. Now, this is a program that's launched uh, a couple of years ago in in Europe and Canada and, um, and America, um, which basically allows smart geniuses like you to say i know how to fix stuff um i want to be certified as an apple repairer and i want to be able to offer my customers official apple products it feels like to me remember the used car sales it's like repco would sell an oil filter but toyota would say no no use toyota parts and we're like yeah but a repco one's just fine thanks i don't need an oil filter from toyota it sounds like that to me is it the kind of thing that will have an impact or that you need to be part of do people care what the part is or do they just want it fixed
6: Um, This can become quite a big conversation. But in my opinion, for one, uh, full disclosure, I haven't looked into that um, news that's come out. If it's anything like the programs that's come out um, in other places of the globe like you've uh, mentioned, it's not something right now that or I could see in the future that I'd be interested in. Mm. And really the the big thing here is I'll give you a bit of an example. If I have a um, new mother, she's had a child for the last two years, and she drops her phone um, in a pool or something like that, and it becomes water damaged. Those, as far as I know, I I will stand corrected if if I'm incorrect here with these um, new programs coming out in Australia. But as far as I know, Apple um, or any manufacturer really won't offer that kind of repair. So they'll just say your your device is damaged, you need a new logic board. And unfortunately, Trevor, when you need a new logic board, that means your data is gone. So. For example, for someone in my shoes that can um, fill that gap in the market and provide that um, service that yes. otherwise an authorised repair centre can't—that it, it, it's that—that's why I would not ever get involved with something like that. Plus, um, there, there's a lot, a lot more. That's only one example that I could really give yeah, you, right roughly. But, but essentially, but that your your, jo- your,
1: your goal is to find the gap in the market to excel in, so that when people have those unfortunate incidents and really a lot of the time they don't want, is it the case they don't want to repair the phone? They just want to make sure they don't lose their data for their. For sure.
6: So with water damage in particular, it all comes down like just going on this example, it all comes down to how severe that water damage is. So sometimes yeah. I'll open up a device and I'll refer to it like a biscuit or something because you'll look at it and it'll just be a ball of rust, mate, pretty much. Yeah. So it comes down to, can I get this device? Cause with all um, mobile devices, These days, you need them to boot up to the home screen to then unlock those devices in order to get them to either communicate with an SD card or because all the data is securely
1: and Apple talks about their security and privacy. It's not like you can take the hard drive out of an iPhone and put it into another one. It needs to be done through the actual device itself,
6: for sure. So, for the example, like let's say someone leaves their laptop on top of their uh, car, they take off to work, then they realize, oh bugger, of um my car, my laptop's fallen on the road. Their laptop's toast. Typically, unless it's got BitLocker, um, which then the customer needs a key to that, typically what the customer can do is just hand off that um, laptop to any old tech and anyone worth um, worth your time should be able to remove that hard drive, plug it into a computer and away you go. Devices aren't like that. We need the device, like you've mentioned, the device is encrypted. We yeah. need it to boot up to then be able to unlock the device with the passcode or yeah. um, password then to trust it to a computer to take the data out. So in short, like I've got um, all the information on my website there, you need the device working in order to get access to the data. So for that, if you say, for example, like I'm saying, with if you take it to an authorised repair centre, they will tell you replace the logic board, that means... Dad your data's gone. gone. Which, is why, no, which um, is why
1: if you've ever made an appointment at an Apple a Genius Bar, they say to you, back up your device beforehand because we ain't guaranteeing nothing here because sure. that's what they do. That's how they operate. But if you're someone who has never had iCloud backup, let alone otherwise, you've got all those photos. It's a really important thing. Like you say. Yeah. that's why the, the mother and the kids is a great um, uh, heartstring style story to use, isn't it, in that sense? And I think it's fascinating that you, you've you got a website, hawkerit.com, where you, mate, you've got basically, you've got quotes, you've got prices up there because you do certain things things they cost certain amounts it's it's a very open model that you have it must appeal to people that they can just literally post you a device that's your model is mail it to me i'll get it sorted
6: for sure so predominantly i've been operating um for around about five years now and predominantly all my work i live up um in north queensland in the Sundays and tough um I life, have a, hey? uh,
1: oh, it, it is in the, a life. Oh, get the violins out
6: yeah i know it's bloody terrible mate but um it is a fantastic part of the world i've been here for a majority of my life and really um the goal from day dot even before IT, mate, i always wanted to build a business and be able to sustain a dream of the with sunday's dream just live up here go fishing by the weekend work um, my ass off throughout the week and um build something that i really enjoy doing and evidently that's ended up uh, for now being it and what i do um for my customers and every day really but um but really, what, with that heartstring story and everything that we're saying there, mate, I think um, I just it, – it's a, it's not so – like, don't get me wrong. It, it's not so much that I'm giving you the worst-case scenario and that's a heartstring I'm playing on. I can't tell you the satisfaction that you actually get yes, with yes. that particular scenario where someone does need a hand with that and you're actually able to give them that result where otherwise they wouldn't be able to have those photos back. Now, now, of course, everyone can be – what I would recommend to everyone is get on the train of being able to back it up, whether that's through um, iTunes or Smart Switch or even through cloud um, solutions, whatever you can get on the good foot. But in in the event that otherwise it goes backwards, um, definitely feel free to hit me up. But like I was um, like you actually mentioned, or or I was going on about locally, I've, or that's where I built my business, mate. And it's really in the last um, since this TikTok thing has um, it, it's hard, Trevor. I don't want to not give TikTok too much i don't want to (laughs) give it too much credit because uh, and this is me being straight up honest with you mate i put my and i really hope this doesn't come across the wrong way i put my bits myself and my business in the position to be able to create content to then work on tiktok um out of serendipity i never planned on tiktok coming along but because it has and i've been able to utilize that tool now i'm doing these repairs nationwide which is always this has always been part of the plan part of the plan has been become um, a big wholesaler and retail uh retailer for repairers alike. myself yep. um that's for computer and um device related um products yep. and then not only that to also offer this mail-in thing the, the dream of of living in the wit sundays and being able to build and and once again i don't want to come across too cheeky here there's only so much that a area can provide, and especially a town of. I mean, yeah, I could totally. be twenties. but you there's could,
1: only. The, but you could be yeah, Sydney. Sorry. You could be in Sydney and yeah. still struggle because there's 55 different people sure. doing this job. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Timbuktu, the Whitsundays, yeah. or a big city. There's only a there's a physical limitation to having a shopfront, let alone having a business in that area. So the ability For to sure. create something that is national, and brilliantly, and and almost accidentally use a platform like tiktok to build it is uh, mate that's just fantastic because i'm assuming this has been your best year of business ever um you know with those mail-ins coming in because you don't even know what's coming do you you don't even know how many are coming this week
6: so so the way i've got to actually set up i've um so i I try and automate it as much as i can because after this all kind of popped off after about um well, like I said, I've always wanted to get into mail-ins. And then after I started posting, and like you mentioned, some of these videos have gone absolutely crazy. And I'll actually um, just correct you on one of those um, videos there. You said up to uh, 800,000. My biggest viewed video on there is 1.8 million, which to me is uh, to even – to be able to capture that at of and 75% of those views have come from within Australia. I was going to so ask even, you whether
1: you've got that analytics because that's how yeah, I see it now, 1.8 million. Very- And another iPhone XR rear display and rear glass. Very simple. Yeah.
6: Yeah. So something like that, if you just – I mean, I'm very – I haven't looked at these analytics in a while. But if you work out 1.8 million and 75% of those 1.8 million – some of them could be repeat view, sure. But 1.8 million, 75% of those are Australians. That's a number that I couldn't – I couldn't even fathom the format. I'll be dead honest with you. My website would be getting 300 views tops yeah. um, every month uh, prior to TikTok. And yeah. now um, I'm hitting up to, upwards of 10K in a month, which yeah. it, 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 when you live in a town of 30, 35,000 people and a third of that,
1: it's coming. Um, I always say to people because yeah. I, I, um, I'm so, um, hmm, shall we say, anal about stats and data that I have a I sure. have three TVs on my wall here in the office. One of which is my security camera, so I can see it at the front door. One of them is playing the TV, so I can watch TV, and the other one is just Google Analytics because I always yep. look at it and I go, "Oh, there's 55 people right now in my store." Uh, yeah. like I think about it that way. You think there's physically, if there was this many people in a physical place, people would be going, what is he doing? And that's, that's the great thing you can do. Cause mate, you it's obviously work alone and this,
6: yeah, it is
1: it, is. Is, is it right to say that because you work alone, this gives you a bit of a connection too, because I feel like you're, you're essentially wow. performing when you're making those videos. So you feel like you've got someone to, to talk to, but it's actually yourself Ooh. and TikTok.
3: Reason
6: why I just said wow, Trevor, is um, like I said, I've been doing this for five years. I've never had anyone even mention that aspect to me. It's something I've only, um, I might have mentioned to my big brother or something like that, but it's something I've only ever kept to myself. And to be honest with you, I've gone through, uh, I think being, uh, the word can sound a bit grubby to me sometimes, but I think being an entrepreneur can mm-hmm. sometimes um, sound really pretty upfront. But once you get involved with it, the honest, the true reality of it is it's pretty lonely, it's lonely. at the best yep. of times. Yep. Um, and I think um, to add on to what you're saying there, there was, there's definitely been times where I, I felt incredibly alone um, despite whatever successes or, um, or trials and tribulations I've had throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. There's, de- there, there's been plenty of times where um, I have felt quite alone. I've, since been over that it's not tiktok that's got me over that i mean after doing something for five years you better hope that you're still not feeling alone <laughs> i can't imagine that's um yeah it's not too good for your um mental health there mate so th- these are early um earlier days perhaps at the two, two to two and a half year mark where i um went through those feelings yeah. um but to answer your question um which absolutely baffles me that you've even um come up to that mate it definitely it gives me such a sense of even though I'm here by myself and I've always loved it, it gives me a whole nother reason to love it and to be able to share my work with people. And not only that, mate, I've got a great, um, I've got my little sister and my um, little brother and an older brother. So I've got awesome siblings. I've got awesome friends around me that, um, definitely cheer me on in what I'm doing, but, um, it, it's a different kind of sense. So uh, say for example, if I try and explain to a mate, uh, what's going on, like my best mate, Sean or something like that, what's going on with, um, device, He'll be interested and engaged with me, but it won't be so much like um, a conversation where with something like TikTok, I have people that even though they're random, it's almost like they're reaching out to me to know more about my job. And that gives me a whole nother reason to get involved with it. So that's not taking away. Everyone around me is is a product of where I'm at today as well. But um, the the sense of community is what I'd uh, I'd uh, prefer. uh, refer to them as yeah. is um it, it blows me away mate and to have that um like you said a hu- just over 100,000 people that sit there and um perhaps some casual watches there's a definitely a core there that absolutely um love watching my videos I'll get even just a, I'm sure you've experienced it Trevor where you get people reaching out to you going hey I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you thanks for your content like I really appreciate it and to Um, it's, it's just unreal. It's something I've, I've never experienced it before. All I'm doing is running a a business, mate. It's
1: it's a really lovely, um... People, We talk about ego is a funny word, right? I've got an ego. I yeah. know it. I, well, I wouldn't be sure. on television if I didn't have an ego, right? But, sure. you know, it's a really lovely feeling that someone says they saw you. Like when someone says to me, oh, I saw you on the Today Show or I heard your podcast or whatever it is, it's a really lovely feeling because it means like it's a validation that, that there is actually a purpose to what you're doing. And that's why I find yeah. it fascinating what you've done. And the other thing I wanted to know quickly about TikTok is there's there's a lot of – when in the, the people that I scroll past and scroll through and I, I see a lot of people – kind of complain about how it's changed and the algorithms changed and not as many people are viewing on there's a there's a funny bloke who does little johnny videos they're just jokes and um he's got like a million followers it's very very funny but he turned into this he's just whinging about how his videos aren't getting as many views like dude why you just just do it just keep doing what you're doing but is the algorithm a problem in that you know getting that exposure is is harder even when you've built the audience because that's the problem I have with um, Facebook, for example. As you mentioned, if you're not paying, you're not getting. And so, sure. is, it, is it tending towards that way though? TikTok as a platform,
6: I, I would still think it's early days for me to have that um, have an opinion on TikTok whether um, the organic is going out of it. I still very much think, um, even Facebook, regardless of whatever your opinion is, it's trying. To, obviously, the metrics do matter to a sense, especially businesses. But you can't not, not be there. there yeah exactly but uh, this is a really hard thing because i think at the end of the day if you really love what you do which is should be at the core of why you do it like not to get too deep here mate but that should be at the core of why you do anything it shouldn't really be about how to um how many views can i get how many followers can i because you can you can have 10 million followers and they kind of care about you or you can have a hundred fanatics that live by what you say and to me I, mean, I I mean it's hard to compare those metrics but oh mate uh, you I, are talking
1: I, my language I, I say this all the time to people about we have a little group on on facebook uh called the man cave and it's i don't i don't care that it's only 2000 people out of the 18000 who like the page i'd I'd prefer that it was 2,000 really highly engaged and respecting sure. people rather than a million people who are just whinging at each other and don't have a real understanding or respect for what, what I do, let alone what everyone else does. It's it's a fascinating world when you're, working, um, when you're working on something as specific as you do, yet you're branching out into a very public-ish um, uh, sure. platform like, like TikTok. And I, I, I just love what you do. I really think that what you do – the last thing I want to know is it's a 60-second video where you sum up what you do to something – how long does it bloody take? Like, what's the average as, repair time? Because I'm assuming as
6: it's not 60 oh, seconds. So no. So, it's all <laughs> Repair vary. But I'd probably yeah. give or take between an hour or two, depending yeah. on the repair. Some can blow out, mate. Some, you can go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And once you've committed to that rabbit hole and you want to get <laughs> it solved, sometimes I'll look at the clock at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And I'll go oh, geez, I've just burnt X amount of hours. This is definitely not ROI positive now. But once again, uh, going back to that, uh, talking about metrics, it's not always about that. Um, If I'm committed and I know that I can get a solution, the hours, sure, it can cause a bit of a problem, especially, um, like you mentioned, I am only one person, but I don't have anyone else here helping me. So it can cause a bit of lag and a bit of a flow-on effect. But if I know that I can get something solved, um, and it's only $180 repair compared to the next one being um, a lot more money for a shorter amount of time, I'm not going to brush that aside. It's just a, it, it's a matter of can I get this solved and is there going to be value for the customer? And it, it, as corny as that may sound, the, if the answer is, yes, yeah, it's, well, let's get this sorted. Sometimes I've got to brush them apart. Other yeah. times I've got to come, uh, come back to them. But uh, I'd probably roughly between that hour to two-hour mark from start to finish um, would be a good time frame uh, for those more sophisticated repairs to get them um, done across the line. And then um, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Yeah. But yeah, that, that'd be a very rough amount of time uh, to knock out one of these repairs.
1: Well, somewhere in a drawer downstairs here in the EFTM office, I've got an iPhone 10 or 10S with a smashed back glass. I'm going to send it to you and you're going to charge me double for the repair because I've taken, <laughs> I've taken half an hour of your time. I told you we'd talk for 10 minutes, but I just, I love what you do and you're, you're a great talker and, yeah, mate. I'm just fully engaged in what you do, and I appreciate you you're spending sure. so much time with me because you've got a job to do and get back to. But, mate, no,
0: uh,
6: awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. Honestly, uh, I do, Trevor. You're the first person to reach out to me and say jump on my podcast. So, thanks for being my first, mate. I hope it's uh, the first of many, and uh, I'm more than happy to jump on any time and give you a, a bit of a chat if you're ever after that.
1: You're a good man. You can follow Max on uh, on uh, TikTok, Max Hawker, H-A-W-K-E-R, and uh, go to Hawker It. Uh, one word, .com, hawkerit.com, and um, send him your gear that needs fixing. Good on you, Max. Thanks for the chat.
6: Thanks, heaps, Trevor. Enjoy the
1: rest of your day. I think I've gone overtime again. Whoops, sorry. Anyway, fun. And listen, I uh, Ben is a super upfront bloke and really – knows his stuff and anyone in the central coast of New South Wales he's your guy for fixing phones and the like really appreciate him coming on the show and being so open with me as he always is but I also appreciate Max Hawker for being super open I mean he and I actually probably talked for another 15 minutes after the one we recorded just chatting about life and business seems like a top bloke if I'm ever in his area we're definitely catching up for a stake on me and I am going to send him that phone I'm going to he better charge me double because I took way too much of his time and he's a man that for whom time is money. So yeah, follow Max on TikTok, um, tiktok.com forward slash at Max Hawker. Um, he's also on Instagram as Hawker IT, Hawker IT. Um, give him a follow. Not that he'll get more traction out of this podcast than he does out of a ridiculously popular um, TikTok account. Um, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back again next week to do it all over again. In fact, maybe not next week. I need to work out school holidays, okay? It's school holidays, so we might have to take a week off. I don't know. There's There's babysitting and parenting to do, so I don't know. Just bear with me, folks. I've got a life to lead. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. You know what I haven't done for a while? This.
2: It might sound crazy what I'm about to say But Trevor Long's the world's best tech